The New York Knicks, oh, it was agonizing. It was closer than you wanted to be, Alex, but they escaped 111 105 over the Jimmy Butler list Miami Heat to tie the series at one game apiece. We're going to get into all the heroics from the Knicks' big three and Josh Hart right now on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. You are locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. We want to remind you a championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. Same with your vehicle. So for parts that fit, head to eBay Motors and look for the green check. Stay in the game with eBay Guaranteed Fit, ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay Guaranteed Fit, only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Um, and we want to thank you for, again, making Locked On Knicks your first listen today. And every day, because if you do that, then you're an everydayer, and then you're my best friend. Uh, you can find us on every single uh, podcast platform and on YouTube. Remember to hit that notifications bell um, and subscribe so you never, ever miss an episode. But who's talking to you? I'm Gavin Shaw, your favorite play-by-play broadcaster's favorite play-by-play broadcaster. He is Alex Wolf, editor-in-chief of the Strickland, the greatest Knicks website in the whole wide world. And Alex, it was going to be sad and angry. Maybe a little scary in the Strickland comment section if the Knicks didn't pull this out. No Jimmy Butler. Gabe Vincent, I, I, I was maybe maybe I was having like a seizure, but I thought he turned into Steph Curry at one point. Caleb Martin was blowing by guys. Max Struess was hitting threes. He was crossing up Julius Randle. Duncan Robinson regained his form from a couple years ago. It was all scary. It was all bad. But then, man, Jalen Brunson, 23 points in the second half. Julius Randle passing the ball like I couldn't imagine in, in my wildest, wildest dreams. And uh, maybe maybe fueled by some Phil Jackson peyote. I, I couldn't have gotten there in the playoffs. Shout out to Julius Randle. Um, and Josh Hart, big play after big play. The Knicks able to escape. Yeah, I think the Knicks really figured something out in that second half, at least on offense. Like, I'm still so worried about the defense. I just don't know. It all right. I, I'll save the negativity, but like there was so many times on defense where it looked like the Knicks just didn't even know what to do with what the Heat were throwing at them in this game, which is concerning when it's a bunch of reserves. But on offense, I think they finally sort of cracked the code a bit with Miami, which you know, for as much as it was like on paper a close game in the first game, it it, it did feel like, especially in the second half, that the Heat just figured them out and it was like they were throwing zone at them they were you know harassing them getting into the paint and then the Knicks just kind of fell apart down the stretch too it it didn't help that they just could not make a three in game one and this time around they do make some threes like finally some of their guys came alive RJ Barrett hits five and nine Julius Randle hits three and nine Brunson hits six of ten and Josh Hart after looking deathly afraid to shoot a three for pretty much the whole game hits two huge ones down the stretch uh, to propel the Knicks forward in this game and almost gets a triple-double. But, like, 
I actually, I thought I was going to want to talk about Jalen Brunson first, but I actually do want to talk about Julius Randle first. And, and to your point, like his passing is what unlocked things in this game. You know, he, uh, so Brunson, if he's going to get blitzed. So I went on, I went on locked on sports today before this with our, with our buddy, Peter Bukowski and, you know, go check that out if, if you haven't already. But, you know, I was talking about this. It's like when Brunson gets double teamed, a lot of times it can be like, like if he doesn't have an, a safety valve right behind him, it could be sort of like if you have a quarterback that's too short to see over the offensive line. You know, he just can't get out of those situations sometimes because that is like the one thing that he cannot finagle his way out of, given his size limitations in the NBA. It's being too small to see over a bunch of tall dudes crashing in on him on defense. It leads to bad decision-making sometimes, and it leads to some of the worst moments for Brunson. Whereas when Randall is at his best, he's able to pass out of those situations. He's able to find open shooters. And the Knicks like figured something out here by having heart space to one corner, grime space to another Brunson ready to receive a pass up at the top off of Randall and ready to just take a three off of that. That's a winning combination. Like that's what they're going to have to go to a lot, especially if the heat are going to continue to spam playing zone because the only way to beat a zone really is to shoot and, you know, or to at least, create enough of an illusion of shooting that you draw these guys out to the corners and then open up the ability to get inside. But like, otherwise you just run into situations like you did in game one, where you just have three defenders waiting around the rim. And then you're just driving into a maelstrom of hands that there's only like maybe a 50% chance you're going to get a reaching called given how the refs have called the first two games. And the Knicks just need to be ready for that. And I think Randall gives them the best opportunity to beat that going forward in this series. The, the Knicks win this series by trusting the pass. You heard Tom Thibodeau say it in that interview with Jared Greenberg to start the fourth quarter. And typically you don't get a lot out of those coaching interviews. And that was a very simple statement by Tibbs. And yet it, I, I really do think the series is, is that simple offensively for the New York Knicks. The Heat are, are going to do a bunch of tricks. To your point, they're going to throw zones. They're going to throw traps. They're going to vary up their pick and roll coverage. They're not going to do things one way or another. But the common theme that will carry the Knicks through is, is not being afraid to shoot, which, my God, Josh Hart, I was, I was pulling my hair out, Alex. I, I, I can't afford to do that. Um, and um, he, he just he wouldn't take the shots. And then down the stretch, he was willing to. Um, but what set them up was focused aggressiveness, and then the ability to just keep moving the ball along. We've seen it from R.J. Barrett. These last five games were time after time after time. He makes the correct decision. Um, we saw it from Julius the last time we got to watch him play, right? That game five against Cleveland, five assists in the first quarter. I think finished with six assists in his 13 or so minutes on the court. Um, but he was coming back. And in my mind, I don't know about you, it was kind of an open question. Like, all right, is he going to try to be the hero? And when I, talking into coming into the playoffs, when I was talking about my biggest concerns, I would flash back to these Miami games in the regular season that I thought were the closest thing the Knicks played to playoff games all season long. And I would focus on Julius, like at times just trying to be that guy and, and doing so successful in the 42 point game. But in the one game, the Knicks lost both him and Brunson having a lot of live ball turnovers uh, because they were trying to do too much. And Julius over and over and over again, simple decision, quick decision. And I, I think it won the Knicks this game. Yeah, for sure. Like just the the ability to draw the defense in and then make the right call is so huge for Julius because so often, and I mean, we even saw the show its ugly face a little bit in the Cavs series for his grace. The Knicks were overall, he did go hero ball a bit. And it was unfortunate because he was finally cracking that 
like getting out of that right at the end of that series. And then obviously sprained his ankle and, you know, threw things into doubt. Shout out to him. I mean, he was a warrior in this game. That's not an easy injury to come back from, especially from an ankle that you already hurt, that you then hurt again. He described it as it was like hell getting back for this game uh, in his post-game comments. And I fully believe him. I hope that these next three days are really beneficial for him, but the miracles of modern medicine and, and of great uh, uh, taping by the, uh, <laughs> by the, the physical therapist or whatever is, is can't be understated here for Julius, but yeah, everything about how he played was, was very pleasing. It was exactly what you want to see out of him. Like just the doing enough on offense early to make the defense respect him. And then, weaponizing that late that's that's all it comes down to for me and and if he can continue doing that i feel i don't feel optimistic let's put it this way i don't feel like super optimistic about the rest of the series because they still did just barely squeak by in this game thanks to the defensive deficiencies but like maybe if all the knicks are able to get healthy over three days and look a little more spry on defense come saturday I at least feel good about their approach on offense now at this point. And maybe they can go down to Miami and shock us and shock Miami and take game three, if that's the case. All right, well, let's keep the positivity rolling. We're going to come back. We're going to talk Jalen Brunson's big second half, RJ Barrett's big first half. Um, But first, uh, we want to talk to you about our friends over at BetterHelp. Um, It's so easy to get caught up in what everyone else needs from you and never take a moment to think about what you need uh, from yourself. Um, and I, I think that's one of the big things that therapy taught me, Alex. It's not, not to always uh, be a people pleaser um, and, and just to, to acknowledge when you're going through um, a tough time and, and, and say that to other people, but also have a real self-awareness about it yourself. And, and therapy can, um, it's, it's time for you to just like be a little selfish, talk about your own thoughts. It, it can give you that. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, you should give better help a try it's so cool because it's entirely online it's designed to be convenient flexible and suited to your schedule so find more balance with better help visit betterhelp.com slash lockdown mba today to get 10 percent off your first month that's betterhelp h-e-l-p.com slash lockdown mba and we want to remind you that this show is sponsored by better help all right alex with that we are back on Locked On Knicks, we are going to um, stay positive here on Locked On Knicks. Jalen Brunson um, did not look healthy to me to start this game. I noted it uh, last pod, even before the injury news came out. I saw our guy Benji Ritholtz talking about this a lot, too. Game one, pretty much every single shot he missed was short. And I saw the same thing early in this game, whether it was on runners, whether it was on three-pointers. And it was like, all right, he just does not have the necessary lift right now. And I sent that a tweet that did not age very well that I said, I kind of think as terrible as he's been, they should maybe play Emmanuel quickly over him because at least Emmanuel quickly can keep up defensively. And, and it was it was frustrating to see that even with no Jimmy Butler and the Heat not running a lot of ISOs, they were able to take advantage of Jalen Brunson. And I thought, Alex, like at times it was his physical deficiencies, but a lot of times it, it just felt like like IQ, which is obviously not, not Emmanuel quickly, his, his basketball IQ, um, which you don't really expect from Jalen. But like he just kept getting confused on switches. Like there was this play really early in the game where um, Gabe Vincent and Max Struess ran like a little pick and pop. And I, I don't know if it was Hart's fault or Brunson's fault, but they both went with Vincent and they left Struess wide open. And, and, and all I could think about this whole first half was like the one thing you can't do 
is let this team shoot threes. Switch as much as, much as you want, because you know what you're doing? You're inviting Max Strews to go one-on-one against Jalen Brunson. And if, and if he hits a floater, if he hits a layup, God bless him. Make him do it 30 times, and they're not going to win the game. And, and I thought Brunson was, was a big part of that problem, but we can get into that more later. Because what Brunson did in the second half with 23 points was just spectacular. Yeah, and if you go back and look at most of the buckets to the point from the first segment, like part of what helped him get going was not being the guy with the ball in his hands. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And like Schwinn and I just talked about this on our the preview for this game where it was like Schwinn even posited like if Brunson has to sit a game out, you know, like because his ankle wasn't feeling right. And that sort of just led the Knicks to learning what it's like to like not have Brunson handling the ball like 100% of the time, then maybe that would have been better. And luckily they sort of came to that conclusion themselves because this is what made him so valuable in Dallas, right? Like he's more versatile than being a guy that has to handle the ball every single time. Like he's so great at finding his spots. He's so great at spacing the floor. And honestly, like throughout the whole season, whether they were self-created or spot up, he's been the Knicks best three-point shooter period. And like, that's what they need him to be in this series because clearly nobody else can make them in a, at a consistent clip. Like that's just, it's something that's plagued the Knicks this whole playoffs, even when they were playing as well as they were against the Cavs. And like, I think one thing that we're learning is the heat are not pushovers on the boards. Like the Cavs were like, you're not going to just be able to bank on like, well, we can just spray them, you know, like just take threes from outside and we're going to have a million offensive rebounds and tons of chances to try this again. Like the one shot you get on your possession very well might be your last in this series. Like this is not going to be the same cakewalk on the boards that it was against the Cavs Uh, because the heat just, I mean, sort of like the Knicks are just so smart and able to get to the rebound. Like they don't look like a team that should be that physically imposing. And yet they are, Uh, and they just get after everything. So, I mean, I, I think that was my main takeaway for Brunson in this one. Like, embrace the fact that you're a great spot up three-point shooter embrace the fact that you don't need the ball in your hands all the time and like whether it's rj barrett coming down and initiating a bit whether it's josh hart who you know for all of his faults in this game like did a great job of after he was afraid to shoot a three putting the ball on the floor and then spraying it out to shooters uh, mm-hmm. once he got inside or julius randall who we already noted like brunson is maybe the best guy to take advantage of that because teams also for how much he handles the ball probably don't necessarily expect him to be off ball moving around as much as he is all the time. And yet he's, he's just so masterful at finding his spots and, and making that happen. That that's something the Knicks should go to all the time and something he should get real comfortable doing for the rest of this series. Cause I think that might be the best role for him as well as doing some ball handling himself, obviously, but playing off of others is, is going to be super critical for him the rest of the series. Yeah. And, and just as, I mean, his, his ability to find mismatches down the stretch was really good. Like ISO Duncan Robinson at one point, hey, it's a fadeaway, um, curled around a screen, like the heat inexplicably like dropped on it to give the Knicks like a lead that they'd never relinquish at 99, 96. Um, then, then dribbled off his foot. And it was like one of those plays we've seen from the last two games where you kind of like hit your head, but then he just came right back down and hit a runner. And like, and that really impressed me, just his ability to bounce back. He, he, you, he, like he, I think he said it in a post game interview for one of these games where he's like, Yeah, I put in too much work to lose confidence. And, and, and you really see that from him. And man, it just feels so good. I've said this a million times this year, but it feels so, so good to have a guy like that on your team, on your side, that you just, you just think the next shot's going to go in every time. And it was, again, it was all essential for the Knicks to win this game. But Alex, how about RJ Barrett? Um, this is like 
I, I'm starting to think someone like plugged me in. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. He's on your shirt. I'm starting to think someone plugged me into like a simulation or something because he's done this now five games in a row, and he he's never done this five games in a row in his career. Best opponents, best defenses in the league, focused in on him, and it doesn't seem to matter. Another hyper efficient night, and finally, like for the first time since that first game where he got really hot electric from three five for nine from distance i felt like everyone he shot was going and even made one that didn't count because there was a foul slightly before 24 points three assists three rebounds i don't think those three assists again are representative of the passing from him where it felt like he made the right decision almost every single time with the exception of like the end of the third quarter where he got a little hero volley but man what would you make of this game for him where, where it felt like he was the only reason the knicks weren't getting run out of the gym in the first half well and while it was taking brunson a while to kind of get his sea legs back I thought that RJ was the key in the first half, you know, like the fact that he like sat down the stretch was no fault of his own. It was kind of just the fact that the Knicks found this really good groove. And regardless of if he was making shots or not, Grimes was doing what they needed as far as like spacing the floor in that particular moment. And so they, they kept him out there, but like RJ was just to your point electric. I mean, he's attacking everything. He's, you know, he, he's getting to the rim again, which is fantastic. But once the three-point shots start falling, it's like he feels invincible. Again, 19 of his points in the first half. And it just looked like he could not miss. You know, it was, it was insane. Um, I, I love what he's doing as far as, as far as the process as well. You know, ways to attack what the defense is giving him, using screens properly, attacking hard, and, and getting all the way to the rim. I wish – I still wish that he would make more free throws. Uh, he still is – not doing the best at that, but that's kind of a, a whole team problem as well. Although not quite as pronounced in this game as it has been recently, but uh, I'm with you. I, I think that he, in the first time, just for his first half contributions, especially along with Randall, who did so much to set up his, his performance down the stretch of this game. Um, he was just fantastic. Yeah. What, what flashed to me early was, was his spin move. Like he had a inside one, where like that that felt like it feels weird to say vintage for a guy who's like 22 years old, but it felt like vintage RJ. There he scored 16 of the Knicks' first 23 points, um, and then in the second half had another one where he um, like like he hadn't scored in a while, and he had like a hesitation, had two defenders on him, spin move right through them. Cody Zeller was there at the rim, fouled him. Uh, the the officials who were paid off by the Miami Heat. Um, with the exception of that of that one missed uh, shot clock violation, that was an incredibly generous call for the Knicks. Um, but the officials uh, who, were, who were cheating on behalf of Miami didn't call it. Didn't matter. Scored right through Cody Zeller. Um, and and then the passing late, like where he was like getting to the middle of the zone, like he had that great one where he found Isaiah Hartenstein for a floater. But Alex also the defense, like he had like this great ball denial on Duncan Robinson was the end of the shot clock. You could tell Miami was trying to get in the ball there and it led to the heat, just throwing it away. Um, and then had one in the second half where like the shot clock was dwindling down. And this is the type of awareness that RJ in my mind has always lacked in his career where it's like, all right, does he, does he know the scouting report? Like, does he recognize like guys who've been in the NBA for 10 years doing one thing really well? Is he cognizant of that? Kevin Love gets the ball. 10 seconds left on the shot clock. The guy's like 45 years old. All you want to do is close out hard and not let him shoot a three. RJ was like sharing oxygen with him, for lack of a better term. He was right in his airspace. Didn't give him a chance. Love threw a panic pass. Brunson deflected it. It was one of the few really good defensive possessions in a game that was largely bereft of them for the Knicks. 
Um, it, it was it was a complete game for RJ Barrett. And 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 to your point, like he sat down the stretch. Like initially, like it was weird. Like normally I'd be so in favor of Grimes playing over him, but I was like, all right, you really want to sit him? Like he's maybe been your best player. Ultimately, we can talk about him in just a sec. Ballsy decision by Tibbs, um, but one that paid off, but had nothing to do with RJ Barrett. He was great all over the court in this game. Um, let's take one final break. Let's come back um, and let's get into uh, Josh Hart, Isaiah Hartenstein, and then uh, some of the reasons this game was much closer than we were comfortable with. All right, we are back on Locked on Knicks. Alex, I'm going to throw it right over to you. Um, which member of the Hart Foundation do you want to highlight first? I, I think it's got to be Hartenstein. I mean, the guy completely took over down the stretch of this game. And I mean, Josh Hart had some fantastic moments as well, and I'm sure we'll get to him in just a sec. But Hartenstein, like Mitch, first off, clearly looked like he was hurt or something. I mean, he he's he's clearly not quite himself right now. And he alluded to it after the last game. Like he said, his hip has been hurting him and he doesn't feel himself. That was never more apparent than this game. It just like, it seems so difficult for him, especially when the Heat kept running these sets where they were just like bunching everybody up at the, the top of the three-point line. It was almost like, like the way they were running some of these plays to just try to essentially scramble the Knicks, it almost reminded me of like when you run a stack coming out of like an uh, like on an inbounds play where yeah. you just stack your guys up and then you just splay them out and hope that you can you can like confuse the the defense. That was almost what they were doing with some of these plays where they were just like, okay, guys, just come up here and just camp out up top and then eventually we're going to start moving uh, like on the count of three, one, two, three, go. And then they'd like start moving and then the Knicks just couldn't keep up with what was going on there and, and it was shaking so many shooters free but it was also shaking like bam out of bio free a number of times and like mitch was really struggling to keep up with that he had a couple like just waltz in buckets because of that that were not fantastic including one that was like a, a pretty nasty dunk at one point and uh you know it, was, it like mitch just did not look comfortable so hopefully the, these few days of rest will help him quite a bit but hartenstein meanwhile was just amazing. I mean, especially down the stretch, he just went like, there's like no better way to put it. He just went like God mode, like with the offensive rebounds. It was just, he couldn't be stopped. Like I, it was, it was like he, he in NBA 2k, if you play with a player that has this certain like ability um, and it's like a rebounding ability that you suddenly start being able to see where the rebound is going to come off and stand exactly in that spot to grab it. If you're like in your zone or whatever, and it was like he activated that badge. Like, literally, he just knew where every rebound was going to be, where it was coming off on the offensive glass, was grabbing them and creating extra possessions for the Knicks, which I mentioned, like, in the first segment briefly, like, you're not going to get that as much in this series. And yet he found a way to make that happen um, against the Heat in this one. And it made all the difference in the world because it created extra opportunities to turn into key points for the Knicks that eventually won them the game. Uh, so they really owe they owe a ton of this game to him. But on top of that, his defense was just better than Mitch's in this game period. Like he was sticking with, with bam better. He, if he got switched on the love, he was sticking with him better. And he just all in all did a lot better job of like hedging, recovering and doing all the little things that you needed him to do on that end as well. It was for him in his role about as close to a perfect game as I could have asked for out of Hardenstein, I think. Yeah, I mean, it was just that one possession, right, where he had he had the three offensive rebounds. That was it. That to me was like if there was a single turning point in this game, it it was that. It was like the Knicks kind of reasserting like everything's got against us. These guys and like I don't want to like 
I, I, I got it. I, I'm, I'm kind of, I've kind of was jokingly doing it early in the podcast, but even guys like, like Vincent and Struess, like it might've just been last year, but they've all been further in the playoffs than every single guy in the Knicks. And they have um, credit to Eric Spolstra, credit to heat culture, credit to uh 80 year old grandpa, Udonis Haslam. Like, like they're just able to inject it into these guys. Like it's, it's, it's like super soldier serum. Like, like they just all like it, or, or, you know, it's, it's honestly, it's closer to like the avatar state, you know, where like Aang would like see like yeah. the thousand of avatars before him. Like um, Gabe Vincent is seeing like Tim Hardaway, like in the clouds, like telling him like, yeah, take the shot, take the shot. You're going to make it. Um, and, and that, that's like, there, there's a magical quality to these heat and they almost like unnerved the Knicks pulled off this upset and Alex, I don't know about you. I think, I think that would have been the end of this series. That would, it, it would have been by yeah. my New York cute story. You had your fun. Miami's tougher, mentally better. And, and, and they, they, they would have clowned us tonight because that that's what this win would have represented without Jimmy Butler. And I thought that one possession from Isaiah Hartenstein gave the Knicks their swagger back. And you saw it, honestly, I think light of fire under Josh Hart. Like, he, he made two threes in this game. They both came inside the final three and a half minutes. The one with 90 seconds left was the one, like, I don't know. I jumped out of my seat. I was screaming. I probably, uh, like, got, got a noise complaint from all, all my neighbors. Apologies. But that was crazy. And then just, like, the rebounds. Like, the one that he missed, I don't know how he got that rebound. I forgot. Maybe it was Struess. Like, he just skied over someone to get it. Had another giant rebound. Um, he, he also went kind of super sane at the end of this game. But man, I, I thought that all started with Hartenstein and like the Knicks, like they found a way to bring that physicality back down the final four minutes of this game. And of course it was the shot making, but I, I think this team's identity is, is in that offensive rebounding and, and and they got there at the end of this game. Yeah. And, you know, it was, it was tough to find that too, because it, like Hartenstein and Mitch both acknowledged, or at least that's a Hartenstein knowledge. And I'm sure Mitch would too, if he had a microphone in front of him, but acknowledged like, we made some dumb fouls in this game and, and that can limit how physical you're willing to play and how much you're willing to do. And it very well could have done that for Hardenstein because he was playing with five fouls at that point, I believe when he got all those rebounds and yet he still just kind of threw caution in the wind and said, you know what? I could do this. I've got positioning. I know what mm-hmm. to do. Made it happen. Same with Josh Hart, who to your point had that amazing possession uh, right towards the end after making the two threes, then takes the third one. And I remember I like, I too was was to the point of yelling at that point, and I was like, "Get in there! <laughs> like, come on, make a third one!" And yet he didn't. And then still, it didn't matter. Like he still got the rebound and created something new out of that. Uh, it it felt like the Knicks, t- to your point, found themselves, and and it was in large part due to the the aptly named Heart Foundation. Um, I I do want to quickly though before we before we wrap up, I there's some there's some things to be worried about. I think going forward that we got to, we got to talk about because I, as much as we're now like singing the virtues of some, of some of these guys, like this is a very close win against a team that was missing two out of their three best players. Like Tyler hero is going to remain out, but Jimmy Butler's probably going to be back on Saturday. Uh, I think it's, if I was going to put chances on it, I would say like 99% chance he will be back by Saturday. Cause that dude just doesn't stay out for long. Uh, and as we've seen with Julius Randle and, you know, apparently Jalen Brunson, the miracles of modern medicine are are boundless and, you know, the, he'll end up taped up just right, the right cocktail of pain meds or whatever to get in on the court. 
uh, when it comes time on Saturday. He'll, he'll literally be seeing Tim Hardaway in the clouds. He will literally see Tim Hardaway in the clouds. Um, but, like, it, there's some stuff to worry about. Like, the, the Knicks just – Spolstra sort of, in many ways, still coached circles around Tibbs in this game. And the Knicks kind of just got by – like by the skin of their teeth, by the fact that they were well, that they were able to just kind of grit out those final few possessions and make this work. But a couple things: one, they just cannot stick to the Heat shooters. And granted, you got to think at some point the Heat are going to stop shooting. Like, what did they shoot for this game? Thirty-five percent, which I would not believe honestly if you told me that because it felt yeah. like forty-five again. Was, yeah, in the second half, like they missed some open ones. The first half, everything was going. Everything was going down, and Vincent, you know, was finding his way. Lowry was uh, Lowry didn't hit any threes, but Lowry was still doing his thing to a degree. Um, Caleb Martin, like, I didn't even know which of the Martin twins it was before today, <laughs> if yeah. I'm being completely honest. And now I finally have like committed it to memory that it's Caleb Martin. Now, I mean, he it, he and he and uh, Vincent looked like freaking Wade and LeBron. It was insane. Um, but like or maybe like clay and Steph, I don't know, but like it just making everything. And, and the Knicks at some point are going to have to change the way they're approaching defense in this series a bit. And you sort of saw it in the second half a little bit. Like I noticed a increase in effort to get over screens and that sort of thing. But the refs also don't seem super enthused about the idea of calling moving screens on the heat. And that's going to make life really difficult for the Knicks because, like, Bam Adebayo was coming up and, like, shuffling into screens and and catching guys on those and then, you know, not getting called for the the moving aspect of it. And it's it's going to make life hard. If the Heat continue making shots the way that they are and they get Jimmy Butler back, who then can start punishing the Knicks on the inside, forcing more foul trouble and stuff like that, and the Knicks still just can't find their way to, like, react to this like like stack offense that the you know with like multiple screeners up top that the heat are throwing at them it's it's gonna be tough it's gonna be tough to win those games in miami and like they really tips needs to watch the film maybe like six times and come out with some sort of really good game plan because the, the knicks have felt coaching wise to me a couple steps behind like this the first two games of the series and and that's that's got to change because they're not once you hit the road and you get a Jimmy Butler back on the other side, you're not just going to be able to like scrape by by the skin of your teeth anymore. Yeah, I think I, I don't put it all on Tibbs because a lot of it is game plan discipline. Like there was a point where Mitchell Robinson was in drop on Duncan Robinson. Literally the only thing you can't do against Duncan Robinson is be in drop. All he wants to do is shoot the three-pointer. And I got to imagine that was emphasized to everyone in the Knicks. Also, just if you're in the NBA, that's something you should know. And, and Mitch didn't do that. And I already mentioned, like, again, like that play where, where Brunson Hart sent two to the ball. Like, it's a it's a pick and pop with two guys who only want to shoot a three. All you got to do is switch it. Let him drive. If Max Struess beats you off the dribble to the rim, you, you tip your cap. You say, good day, sir. Do it ten more times. And, and Julius Randle, I mean, I, this, I sung his praises early in the show. Completely deserved. He, he was a space cadet in the first half defensively. And it could have been worse. Like, Kevin Love missed a couple of open threes. But, like, he fell asleep, like, again. And, it, like, there was one where he was helping on a BAM roll to the rim where Hartenstein was right there. And then it was just a simple kick, love wide open, one of the two threes he made um, all day. Um, it happened again in the second half with Randall. Like, I, I, like, Brunson got back cut to start the second half. Mitchell Robinson, like, 
like if he's not healthier, like you're going to have to play Hardenstein 30 minutes because there's a play where Struis blew by him. There's a play where Kyle Lowry beat him to the rim. Like that shouldn't be happening. I don't put it on Mitch. Like Mitch had some mental errors in this game, but it was mostly just like he could not get to the spots fast enough. Um, so if he's not healthy, stick with Hartenstein. But um, I'm encouraged overall. Like I think the Knicks have the dudes to win this series. They got to match Miami's um, know-how, confidence, and the fact that like the Heat just don't make those mistakes that we just talked about with the Knicks. Yeah, and to be clear, I I have my worries, but I, I do think that the Knicks still have the talent edge in this series. And if they can get the health edge, like if these next three days can really be spent on a ton of ton of treatment time for all these guys and get them more healthy than they've been in a little while, like this is going to be the longest break the Knicks have had in a minute, mm-hmm. you know, because they didn't even get this long of a, well, I guess they got exactly this long of a break last week leading into leading into game one, uh, which should have been longer if the Bucks could have just won like one more game. Um, <laughs> but at any rate, you know, they, if they can take some time to get healthy, get spry, get a good defensive game plan, I, I think talent edge, it, the talent edge still belongs to them. And we'll see if maybe a few days off kind of helps cool the heat off too and, and regresses some of these guys back to the mean of where they should be uh, when they're not in playoff heat form. But uh, only time will tell. We'll have three more days to think about it, to put out some great podcasts for you guys and uh, get ready for that game. But until that time comes... We're going to sign off for today. So thank you all for listening. And we will be talking to you guys tomorrow. So talk to you soon. Peace out.